Happy New Year and welcome to the brand new internal series Inside AM, where we take you behind the scenes of our fast-paced jewellery brand, exploring what our teams get up to across all different levels from junior to head of departments and everything in between. Stay tuned for career-focused tips, role-specific knowledge, teams' personal failures in their career development and the advice to succeed your dream job aspirations and more. I'm your host, Alexia Aronson, Director of People and Culture here at Astrid and the U, where my job is to make sure we bring out the best in all our teams so that they can truly flourish in their roles and their wider lives. Let's get into it. This is a virtual recording, so please excuse the sound quality. So welcome to the marketing episode. Today we are joined by three members of our marketing team, Lauren, Lucy and Catherine. Welcome, ladies. Hey. Um, shall we get right in? So would you all like to kind of introduce yourselves and your role here at Astrid and Miu um, and maybe the journey you've had so far with us? Lauren, would you like to start? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm Lauren. I'm Senior Performance Marketing Manager here at Astrid and Miu. Um, and I oversee the team and the agencies responsible for um, paid and biddable media campaigns, as well as our brand new above the line media strategy as well. Um, and I started at Astrid and Mew in March 2020, two weeks after the first ever lockdown. So uh, joined remotely, but honestly, the best company ever to join remotely. Everyone, every single person in this business is literally the nicest person I think I've ever met in my life. So, so nice to yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I'd say. The thing I enjoy most about my role here is just the fast-paced nature of both the performance marketing industry and Astrid and Mew as a brand. Um, so yeah, I rarely have two days that are the same and I'm almost 11 years into my career now, which makes me sound really old, but I'm still learning something new every day, which I absolutely love. And I think if I wasn't still learning, I'd get bored quite easily. Um, and yeah, everyone at Astrid and Mew is such an expert in their field as well. So we really do knowledge share between us and we're really encouraged to collaborate cross-functionally, which really helps to understand the business as a whole and in turn help us do our job better as well. So yeah, great job and great place to work. Love it. Lucy? Hi, yeah. So I'm Lucy. I'm the senior CRM manager here at Astrid and Mew. So I've been here since only August last year. So I actually joined remotely as well, which was a bit of a weird experience. But like Lauren said, everyone was so nice. It just felt so seamless and normal. Well, as normal as it could be. Um, so my job, I kind of look after our customer database and our newsletter emails. That's the kind of simple way of putting it. Um, but I love CRM, hence me doing this job. I've done it for about six years now. Um, and Astrid and Me is definitely the best place I've worked so far. Even though I've only been here a little while, I can already tell that I love it and I want to be here a long time. Um, and then the thing that I love most about my role is the fact I get to work across all teams in the business. So CRM really does touch every part of the business. So I get to talk to lots of different people every day and there's always a new challenge that comes up. So there's really never a dull day, which is good. I think even though sometimes it can feel quite not stressful, but challenging, I think that's what keeps it interesting and keeps me wanting to kind of keep in this field really. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting and dynamic. I love it. I remember um, your interview. Oh, do you? <laughs> I remember it too. But when I chatted to you, I thought, oh, wow, like, Values are so important to Astrid and me, and that was something that really drew me in. 
um, because I've never experienced that before in any other brand. So yeah, I was excited from the get-go and I'm still excited now. Yeah, I remember um, speaking to you and thinking you have you hadn't really truly had a chance to flourish in the roles you'd had so far because they weren't really values led, and you were so in line with our brand values. I just I just had this strong sense that you'd really flourish when you joined the team. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I think um, I've always known, or since I've started my career, that I loved CRM. But like you said, I've never had the opportunity to really flourish and really be myself in a role and within a brand and you can be that here so yeah it's fantastic. Yeah so I'm Catherine I've joined the company in 2019 um, on our first ever cyber week so that was a bit of an interesting week to join on so I joined as a junior events associate in order to kind of elevate our customer events across our London stores But then four months later, the uh, global pandemic hit. So my job really changed quite dramatically. Um, But I guess in hindsight, that was probably for the best. So I'll also work on PR, contacting journalists with brand news, um, our new collections, as well as more trade press, which is a little bit more corporate, pitching Connie, our founder and CEO for founder profiles um, and features. I also work on our podcast, so editing my own voice data will be interesting, (laughs) Um, as well as our Brand Lab series. So that's where Connie interviews industry leaders, business founders, and people in the similar industries, um, which is really interesting and valuable, as well as working on our partnerships. So that's brand and charity partnerships. We work with some amazing brands like GHD, Quarterly, Rixo, who kind of share a similar customer demographic to kind of raise brand awareness. Um, And then the other part of that is also charity partnerships. So we kind of align our charity partnerships with relevant marketing initiatives. So whether that's partnering with Women's Aid in lockdown or the Felix Project for our Astrid and Renew Recycled Silver Programme or working with the Prince's Trust for International Women's Day, we really kind of want to partner with brands and charities that align with our brand values so yeah that's my job in a nutshell so I guess the favorite thing about it is being able to have a lot of touch points in terms of variety like Lauren was saying it's really no two days are the same I think that's the beauty of being able to work in a company that really lets you explore lots of different areas within your job function and I don't think that in a lot of companies, you're often pigeonholed. So, yeah, that's my favorite thing about working at AM. So, you all work in such different areas of marketing, don't you? Um, which no doubt requires such different strengths as well. At what point um, in your journeys did you realize that this was the area that you're in? That's the area for you. Um, yeah, so that's a really good question. I do think you're 11 years in, aren't you, Lauren? Yeah, 11 years in. <laughs> that's a good journey. <laughs> my mind back. <laughs> yeah, I do think when you finish school or come out of university or just not exposed to marketing at all, you kind of assume that if you work in marketing, you just do a bit of it all. But actually, each part of marketing is so specialized. Like I absolutely could not do what Catherine does for example I just don't have the skills for it at all and I think 
yeah, it's really understanding all the different parts of marketing before you start applying. Um, I personally started off, so my dad's got a digital marketing agency for the automotive industry. Um, so when I was 21, I did a bit of work experience there. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, so I started off shadowing um, the marketing, marketing team there and understanding all elements of digital marketing. And I actually ended up staying there for two years before moving to London. Um, but yeah, I did a bit of everything. So I did organic social, performance marketing, a little bit of email as well. And what made me personally want to specialize in the performance side was um, the way I could see instant results from the activity I was running. Um, so it felt really rewarding. So for example, now, if I spend £100 on Instagram advertising, I can see almost immediately exactly how many people saw my ad, how many people clicked on it, how many people then went onto the website and added to their wish list or purchased. And it's a genuine buzz seeing the sales coming through. And I know that makes me sound like a bit of a loser, but it's true. Um, and I guess it's the same when the social team see really strong uh, likes and engagement levels on their posts. It's, it is a real buzz knowing what you're doing is impacting the businesses in a positive way. So I think, um, yeah, I just kind of lent into that and I kind of like that instant gratification of, yeah, seeing the revenue come in. Yeah, it's that instant feedback, isn't it? Constantly getting that instant feedback is so satisfying. Yeah, so satisfying. I love it. <laughs> what do you think the strengths, what do you think your strengths are that really make you thrive and flourish in performance marketing? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think you have to be uh, quite analytical. So I think that is something you probably don't realize. So again, looking at marketing as a whole, I think, you know, when you, you, you have brand marketing, Catherine will go into this in more detail, but you have brand marketing where you have to be more um, like relationship building and outgoing and willing to, you know, put yourself out there and come up with a lot of creative ideas. Um, whereas performance marketing is very analytical. So you have to um, look at, not in the same way Lucy does, but look at data and how different um, segments of customers are uh, responding to your ads and uh, look at lookalikes and that type of thing. So, yeah, being really analytical, I'd say that's one strength. And I think just being highly organized and uh, taking ownership as well, because you are responsible for quite a large amount of money. So I remember when I worked, so I worked in an agency for, I think, maybe a good six to seven years. And um, so I went, I'm new to brand side and um, and one of the larger clients in the larger budget, I think I had to spend a million pounds in a month. And you almost have to desensitize yourself from that figure, because if I had a million pounds personally, I would be like, oh, my God. <laughs> Whereas, you know, like I, you have to desensitize yourself and be extremely organized that you're making sure that this budget and this money is being spent the best way and the most efficient way possible. And you're getting as much from it. Um, so yeah, organized, analytical and yeah, um, responsible, I would say. Yeah. You're so fortunate that you managed that in the start of your career, you got little tastes of the different areas of marketing. So you yeah. could kind of suss out which ones you're best suited to. So yeah. Lucy, how, um, moving on to the CRM side, how does that differ from performance and what do you think the strengths and skills are that you need that might be different to what Lauren has? 
Yeah, so I think um, I kind of had a similar route into my career that Lauren had. Like I had the whole discovery phase. Like she said, you come out of university, you don't really know what marketing is and you, you need that discovery phase to find your way. So I did an internship. Uh, I was actually interning for a shoe designer. So it was a super interesting role. And I did a bit of everything. So I did a bit of PR, social media, um, like website updates. But a big part of it was managing her client database. So I didn't even know that that was something that existed. Um, and I figured out quite quickly that I really didn't like PR. I really didn't like social media. I, it just didn't suit my personality or skill set. But I liked the database side of things because it was so measurable and you could really see quite quick results from it. Maybe not as quick as what Lauren sees in performance, but you can see people's reaction to different marketing that you're doing. So I quite quickly realized that I'm quite an analytical person. I think that's really important for CRM. But I think another important factor is you need to have that wider understanding of all marketing channels and how a campaign comes together because quite a lot of the time CRM is like the last touch point of a campaign. So, you know, the brand team would have come up with the amazing concept. It would have been shot. It would have been designed by the brand design team. And then email is kind of like the last step in the process for it to go out. So you need to have that wider understanding of marketing as well as those quite niche not niche but quite specialist uh, skills for CRM such as you know data analytics looking at big sets of data being really strategic with your planning um, and all of that obviously builds up over time I didn't know how to do all of those things straight away in my internship but I that's where I kind of discovered what I liked um, and I think as well because CRM is such a measurable and testable channel it's never boring. Like there's always something to test and change up. It's never as good as it possibly can be. There's always something to improve on and that's what keeps it interesting. So yeah, in a sense, it's like you need quite specific skills, but then in another sense, it's great to have that wider understanding of marketing as well and know how all the different functions work. So yeah. And that's why I guess it's so important to have that discovery phase when you first start out. Definitely, definitely. I'd recommend to anyone trying to trying to do internships if they can, um, just to get experience in different sectors, really. Because I think until you work in in marketing, you don't know what you like. Whereas at university or at college, you might think you know what you want to do, but until you're actually doing it, that's when you realise where you should be and where you should be going. But then Catherine, it's such a different area of marketing that's not as measurable at all. Yeah, I'm completely opposite to Laura. I'm not a numbers girl at all. I remember watching Devil's Wears Prada and thought, that's a bit of me. I want to be in the fashion and accessory space. I want to be at the front of the events and seeing activations come to life. So I think I always knew that I wanted to be, I guess, at the forefront of, you know, event curation and, you know, relationship building. I think that's really where my strengths lie as my personality. But um, in terms of actually finding that route, I did a lot of different internships to kind of really figure out if this, if brand marketing is definitely for me. And I think, you know, working at some really big companies like Tommy Hilfiger to Michael Kors really cemented 
my interest in the function that I'm in today. So, you know, working on large scale fashion events. And I also worked at Grazia, so working at magazines and kind of getting a bit more of a holistic understanding of the fashion and accessory space as a whole really benefited me for when I started to apply for similar roles so yeah a bit of an opposite route to Lucy and Lauren I think um I've always kind of got my motivation from um seeing events come to life and more um I guess the less measurable side in terms of you know PR stunts and relationship building I think uh, as a people person that really um lies to my strengths so I think um, I did this for the employee profiles we do on LinkedIn. And I broke it down into like three strengths. You first probably need to be quite a people person. I think being able to do a lot of small talk with influencers and press is something that is actually underestimated. I've sat many through conversations of, you know, the weather to recent um, shared interest. And I think having that extroverted characteristic is really helpful um, secondly, I'd say adaptability events always go wrong. I think um, that's very well known. And even though you might be sitting as the customer, seeing it on Instagram, thinking, wow, this event is so polished. Like, you know, I can't believe that that was executed so well. But I think behind the scenes, there's there's always things like that go wrong. And just being having that adaptability and agile attitude um, is really important for our function and then thirdly I think being an innovative risk taker and bringing new ideas to the table that might work I mean for example when we did our International Women's Day events way back in 2020 um, I pitched nipple tassel making to our head of marketing and I think at first she was like what is this idea I'm just not sure this aligns with our customer demographic but we tried it and it was really successful and it was the one that sold out the first and I think you're never going to know the success of a potential event or collaboration with influencers if you don't try and luckily at Astronomy we're in this culture and environment that really celebrates trying new things and you know if they don't work then you know it's a learning to take on for future so yeah I'd say those are the kind of three areas that I'd say you'd need for brand marketing. So how do you go about working cohesively with the more analytical side of the business, of, of, of the marketing team? Yeah, so I think kind of the main areas where we work with um, Lucy and Lauren's team is kind of our influencer content. So that's profiling influencer content on paid ads. So whether that be, you know, you're scrolling on Instagram or Facebook and you're seeing an ad pop up with influencer content, it's always useful to promote this on a paid side so that we can boost awareness with our existing community. I think if you scroll an ad and you already recognize the influencer, it almost makes you stop quicker and look at the ad more in more detail. So we work with the paid team closely on choosing influencer content that could work well on a paid basis. And with CRM team, we generally work um, also with influencer content. So profiling influencer styling content on email, as well as also promoting our events and activations that might be going on so for example we did a PR stunt in December we did a lovely crepe stand to give away crepes to our community and we kind of work really closely with the CRM team in in order to target a particular de- demographic of customers that might have already been interested in events before as well as 
location based so ensuring that they're a london-based customer to really kind of cement the um popularity of people coming to our events and activations so yeah those are the two main kind of areas where we work with the other teams cohesively yeah i think as well just from like brand marketing crm and performance like we're as a marketing team as a whole we're just so communicative and we all catch up daily weekly you know on a monthly basis as well we have quarterly workshops so i think um just in terms we're, we're always aligned in what everyone's doing so it's just really easy to collaborate and uh make activations happen um so you know we always know what the brand team's influencer plan is so we we can work with them really closely rather than it being um anything ad hoc so we we have plans quite far in advance and we're always catching up and so lauren and lucy being on the kind of performance and digital side do you feel like there's any kind of myths or misconceptions on that side of marketing as being like the less creative and the sort of the less sexy and, yeah. <laughs> and less fun side? Yeah, it's so true. I think it's because of the technical language that we use and that we, um, yeah, like we report on. It's it, it can sound a bit daunting and then therefore it kind of sounds a bit boring. And I know that it goes over some people's head, um, but I think... A real key thing in um, like hiring for our teams, actually, and that I think I hope me and Lucy have is a way of communicating performance marketing to every level of understanding so that everyone can really get on board with what you're saying and learn from you. So I think where performance and CRM, CRM can get lost is when you you get someone that goes too far into the detail and um, it can be just a bit confusing because I think that with anything, to be honest, you know, anything that someone, if I don't know something about influencer marketing, for example, if Catherine started talking about it in great detail, I probably wouldn't really understand what she was saying. So I think like anything, you just have to be able to speak to the room and to the um, audience. I think it's about contextualizing it, isn't it? And bringing it all together. So obviously, because we all work so closely together on campaigns, you can really see the benefit of each channel when we kind of do a summary of the campaign, for example. So yeah, it can get a bit, I feel like our channels, the one can get a bit lost in, you know, they perform so well, but people don't necessarily know that because sometimes the jargon can get on top of it, but it's really important to know how to communicate it to the business as a whole really and celebrate how well our channels are doing in a way that everyone understands i know that can sound a bit patronizing but it's a really important part of our jobs yeah absolutely and they're two channels that have just grown so much in the last 10 years i mean 11 years in lauren you must just have noticed so much change yeah, yeah i think when i first started it was like facebook ads had only just started <laughs> I'm just like oh my gosh that makes me feel old but it's just it is constantly evolving and that's I think I said it earlier but that's the most exciting thing like I will log into um Facebook business manager manager which is where you manage ads um in the back end of Facebook and Instagram and there'll be something new every single day and you know come 11 years in that's I think that's really exciting and great to be able to say that um so yeah there's been a lot of change but it's, it's fun so how do you because i don't even think influencers existed 11 years ago did they 
<laughs> so how do you like one of our values is grow together which is all about um just learning and growing as a business together as you said we are so fast-paced um and the world of marketing changes all the time um and you are all such pioneers in what you do how do you go about and also so many brands look on to us for inspiration how do you all go about keeping up <laughs> and not just keeping up but staying ahead of the game Sounds like keeping up that Kardashians. <laughs> kind of going off the back of what Lauren was saying earlier in terms of our communication amongst teams, even though it might be perceived that we're quite separate channel functions, you know, sharing inspiration from brand campaigns that we've loved recently, or also brand brand campaigns that we think have flopped and sharing those ideas together in quarterly brainstorms really helps us elevate the marketing function as a whole and seeing kind of the brands that have not done so well and what we can learn from the ones that have really excelled in the last year, whether that be like sharing inspiration from Instagram or Pinterest, all those kind of brand activations can really help succeed doing our own roles better. That's so true, Catherine. And also something I've done a bit more of last year, which has really helped in terms of keeping up with marketing trends and growing is talking to people that do the same role as you, but within different companies. So not necessarily competitors, because they probably wouldn't agree to talk to you, but you know, people that are on the same level as you or doing the same kind of work as you, they've probably got the same questions and problems that they want to solve. So really working together with people outside of the business as well and networking in that way can be such a good way to learn and kind of find out about new things that are happening in marketing and then in your specific field. So I'd recommend that to anyone really. It's really helped me recently. Yeah, I agree. I do the same as that as well. And I also um, try and have uh, monthly catch-ups with all of the platforms. So Facebook, Pinterest, TikTok, uh, Google as well, and just building those relationships. Um, I think I've had my our Facebook account manager. We've I've um, worked with her now for the past four years because I worked with her in my previous role as well. And I think just having that good relationship just means that they are more willing to share anything up and coming, any alphas and betas that you can get involved with. Um, and yeah, they kind of share case studies from across their breadth of clients as well. So it really helps to um, give us ideas and knowledge share that back then to the whole team. Um, something we talk about a lot is breaking all boundaries um, and that's all about taking smart risks and making mistakes and again learning and moving on um, would any of you like to share one of your proudest failures in your career so far and the biggest learning that you've had I've not got a massive failure but I think I've made a few small mistakes along the way which have really shaped me and helped me grow um, so there's been times where I've scheduled an email um, and it's only gone to the test list and the person that's on the test list is me. So I think the email's gone out fine, but actually it's not gone out at all. So then that's a big mistake. You never make that kind of mistake again or being halfway home on the train and realised I haven't hit schedule on a campaign and then running back to the office that evening to schedule it when we didn't have our laptops to take home. So I think small things like that have happened to me and they probably sound really boring. There's nothing that crazy that happens, I don't think, in digital marketing that's... um worth kind of talking about but I think it's fine to make mistakes and as long as you always learn from it and remember them and grow it's it's fine and everyone makes mistakes so it's all good absolutely the more mistakes you make the more you learn right I think it's 
I like um, just on that. So it's not necessarily mistakes, but just willing to try new things and within the unknown. So again, with our role, it's constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly new, like new platforms coming out or new formats. And you have to just be willing to be like, you know what, I'm going to put... 2k behind the ad and let's see how it works and sometimes after a week it's not returned any sales but what you need to do is just kind of have the resilience to be like it's okay like what did I learn from that experience and I'm not gonna be like hey I'm never gonna test anything ever again because you have to keep doing that because you know the untested could be your biggest opportunity and something that could you know um drive awareness and exposure and and loads of sales so I think you have to keep pushing through when you do those tests as well because it can be disheartening if you're doing a few tests and you're like oh I'm not really getting much on this and I think yeah just keep pushing through really but yeah I agree with Lucy it's hard with performance and digital marketing because it's just like small things like that where it's like oh I didn't turn the campaign on it's not very interesting I guess that's that's how you stay ahead isn't it it's all that testing that keeps you ahead of the game and keeps you on your toes to keep trying new things yeah, definitely. And you learn so much from it as well without even realising. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a very important one. I think from a brand marketing side, working with Lauren and the paid team, we've had campaigns before where we where we work with influencers on paid content, which we think this is going to kick off, this is going to be great, and it flops. And, you know, it's you know, similarly, it's not being disheartened, thinking, right, okay, why did that didn't go so well and learning from it and thinking actually does a more content focused influencer work better on paid or is it someone more well known what kind of works well with our community and um yeah I think that's kind of similarities there that we've shared between both of our department functions where we've realized our campaigns from a digital perspective haven't gone so well but in terms of more brand marketing I mean there's been plenty of <laughs> failures and flops of events for sure I think most memorable was um our dinner at cyber week 2019 and you know we went to the venue and we didn't realize they hadn't told us it was being refurbished the loose seats were off there were no waiters so I ended up being the waiter for 30 influencers for the evening and um I think did they have any uh, food or drinks we had food oh yeah we had food we just it, w- it was just a complete failure in the sense that the venue didn't tell us it was being refurbished and you know sometimes that wasn't necessarily our fault it was out of control we weren't aware of that but I think going forward it makes you more meticulous and more aware of those checklists that you've got to go through and I think once you've been through something like that where that really went wrong you're more aware and more on it when you're looking into planning and organizing further events so if anything they're helpful and make you realize that you need to be more on it with those kind of things um and continuing on our theme of kind of growing together and breaking boundaries what would you say now that we're in 2022 what would you each say is your biggest learning that you took from 2021 Mine would be about not always worrying if everything's absolutely perfect. Um, I've come from quite big brands where, you know, you can't go live with something unless it's, you know, tested a million times and it's absolutely perfect and it's been seen by every single stakeholder in the company. Whereas coming to Astrid and me, we have a lot more creative freedom, which is a massive benefit. 
Um, and actually not everything has to be perfect to launch it. You can test it once it's going and you can actually achieve a lot better results from that than working on something and protecting it for so long until it's perfect to let it go. So I think for me, it's not always being a perfectionist and that's okay. And that's where you drive really great results. Um, yeah. I think we move too fast to constantly strive for perfection, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we aim for it and some of our stuff I would say is perfect by all means, but I think it's okay to not have everything completely polished all the time and keep moving with it and get it to a really good position rather than taking ages on it and then being behind and delayed with the launch. So, yeah. I think as well, if we're not super polished, we're more relatable as a brand, aren't we? I think. Definitely. savvy now, aren't they? I think seeing something that's not like mega, like campaign polished, actually quite refreshing. Yeah. And you can actually get more engagement, I think, from things that look a bit more or a bit less polished than something that's, you know, a stereotypical campaign shoot or something like that. If it's a bit more casual, I think it actually engages a lot more people sometimes. Just having that flexibility and agileness with obviously COVID, we've rearranged marketing plans consistently throughout starting 2021 in lockdown and just having the skill set to work on a kind of fast paced external environment and, you know, we've, you know, planning for events constantly is even more of a challenge. So I think just having that flexibility to change it into a virtual event or what can we, you know, having that backup plan in being able to change an event last minute um, has been really helpful to have kind of learn that skill set, which we probably wouldn't have learned otherwise in before COVID hit. Do any of you have any um, kind of projects that you've worked on recently that you're especially proud of or that's reminded you of why you love your job so much um, on the note of celebrating each other, which is um, third value of us? Yeah, I would say um, launching our first out of home campaign in Oxford Circus in December. That was definitely a highlight for me, Astromeu. Um, yeah, just first time we've ever been um on billboards and the first time we've actually ever tested above the line media and it's something that we're now um adding to our strategy for 2022 and beyond so just so exciting to actually just go we went up and down the escalator like eight times (laughs) so do you want to explain to the listeners what it was? Yeah, so it was um, just some digital ads up the escalator um, that were just videos showing our core product and um, directing people to our brand new Carnaby Street store. Um, and yeah, they just look gorgeous. And I was looking at everyone up and down the escalator, making sure they were also looking at it. <laughs> and they were. We were like, yes. <laughs> so yeah, definitely a highlight. 50% of the foot traffic was us as a team just going up and down. Yeah, well, we won't say that. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> For me, one of my favourite projects this year was working on our PR stunt. I think working with lots of different teams, including, like I mentioned earlier, Lucy's team from a CRM perspective closely, it was a kind of real big test and there was a lot of budget behind what we were going to do for it and we'd never done a PR stunt before. So I think there was a lot of pressure in in performing um, and getting the results that we wanted to, but it was a real rewarding project, even though it did change a couple of times because of COVID, we were able to, you know, connect with our community in person. And it was great to see people come from all over the country to get their free crap and celebrate our new um, Kings Road reopening um, store. So 
yeah, it was really rewarding to work on a project that probably lasted just under a year and then just kind of see it in person, having to work on the, the bespoke build for six months and seeing it come to life was, yeah, really magical and something that I really want to work on throughout 2022. You know, it's our 10 year anniversary next year, so I want it to be bigger, better. And yeah, we worked with a lot of different teams on that. So hopefully more PR stunts to come. It's such a cool creative and and such a successful stunt. What was the process in coming up with it? Because it's not, it's quite unusual, a crepe stand. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I think at first we were thinking of the idea around supporting our new store openings. And because of COVID, we wanted something that would be outside and that it wouldn't be, we wouldn't have to completely pull the reins on it and shut it down like a big external event so it was really about thinking what can we do that we can still connect with our community with and meet people in real life but is not going to hinder us and you know have have having to cancel it last minute so it you know originally we were thinking like a massive truck or a vehicle that would go around the country and then kind of aligning to what our budget required and creating something that we can repurpose again and again so with the crepe stand it was great for kind of festive um activation um, with our customers but we're also looking at remodifying it and looking to possibly get you know a pims cart for summer or you know working with brand partners like i mentioned you know we we work with grind so looking at getting a kind of coffee cart for that and really utilizing our kind of bespoke build going forward i think going off the back of what you just said catherine obviously crm had a small part to play in your amazing project but it was so nice to be part of the project in some way and going back to what i was saying about you know working with so many teams across the business that is one of the really nice things you get to be involved in projects like that um so we obviously helped with the data side of things and the customer experience um but seeing the results from it which were really measurable afterwards and we could see who signed up um and we see we could see who used like our special promo codes that was really rewarding But another highlight for me um, was actually the advent calendar launch. So it was the first year that we'd done an advent calendar um, and it was really highly anticipated and we didn't really know how our database was going to react to it. And when we launched the email, I've never seen email stats like it. It just went through the roof. So that was a massive achievement for the team, but also the whole business. Everyone was so excited about it um, and I can't wait to do it again uh, in the future, maybe. How many hours did it take to sell out? Oh, I can't remember. It wasn't very many. It was really quick. I remember we were all messaging each other as they were literally selling out, um, like, oh, we've only got five left or something. Um, But the demand for it was massive. We had so many people sign up to get one. Uh, So, yeah, that was a really exciting project to work on. Yeah, I think it was less than 24 hours, wasn't it? And it sold out, I think, from a brand marketing side just loved it so it was great to like work on something different and see that kind of come to life because that was also quite a long lead project as well wasn't it from like designing it with the brand design team so yeah it's great to be able to as the marketing team promote new exciting projects like that and for them to be received well. Have any of you been given any career advice um, in your journey so far that's really stuck with you? Either good or terrible (laughs) advice. I've got a bad one. I'm sorry to start with a negative one, but (laughs) I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, I've, I've got to where I am in my career today because of the experience that I've gained along the way. Um, 
and I've had a few people interview me in the past or recruiters saying, oh, you know, you've only ever spent a, a year in certain roles as if it's a negative thing. And I think looking back, if I hadn't have changed jobs when I thought it was right for me, if a new opportunity had come up, you know, that I thought was going to better my career, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am today. So I think if you feel like you want to change job because it's good for your career, don't worry about how long you've been in your current job. I think just go for it and do what's right for you. That's such a good piece of advice because as long as you can articulate the reasons you have moved on and the decisions that you've made along the way, do what's right for you when you need to do it. Absolutely. I usually think as well, like if the job is right for you, then you won't be penalised for moving around earlier in your career because they just really want you as a person. I think it's really important at the start of your career as well to do that because that's how you ultimately find out where you want to be. So if we hadn't have done those internships or shadowed marketing teams early on in our career, we wouldn't have known or been able to figure out exactly what we were good at. So I think it's so important. And unfortunately, in a lot of more kind of old fashioned businesses where internal progression isn't promoted as much, it's sometimes the quickest way to to get the promotions and move up in your career is to um, move on to the next role and get the promotions in the next position in the next company. I think for me, um, I don't know if it's necessarily career advice. It can be applied to personal life, the dating game. You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. And I think you're never going to know if you don't take the opportunity. And I think for me, this can be applied for when I first sent my application in fashion and you, it said on the job description, you must have one year minimum experience. And I think I thought, even though I didn't tick every single box and I hadn't, I'd just come out of uni in an entry level role. And I thought, you know what, I've got a lot of experience that I think will be value valuable and have a lot of transferable skills, even though I don't have this one year minimum in the industry, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And, you know, went through the interview process and luckily got the job. So I think in that sense, I think women especially sometimes don't always seize the opportunity because they think, oh, I don't take every single box that's required on the job description. And I think don't let that be a glass ceiling to you. Um, If you've got the drive, if you've got the determination and ambition, I think that can be seen in the interview process and people can see that your hunger and you're willing to learn, um, especially for an entry level role is sometimes more important than your um, experience or skill set. Yeah, absolutely. And use the covering letter to show your enthusiasm and your passion and your drive for the role. And so we've got a couple of questions from the community here. We've actually got three questions, maybe one for each of you. Um, Lauren, would you like to ask, answer the first one? What qualities do you look for hiring marketing employees? And I'm guessing this is likely to be different depending on where in marketing they're going to sit. I feel like I've probably said it this a few times, actually. Um, that mm-hmm. realizing, but yeah, for me, I think, of course, we want to hire people who love Astrid and me, love the brand and embody the values. That's really cool. But personally, I look for people who are really passionate in the technical roles we're hiring for in performance marketing. So not just someone that wants to work for us because of who we are, but I really look for highly analytical candidates who are really comfortable potentially working in Excel all day, looking at data, looking at trends, and who can then articulate themselves clearly to other members of the team, a varying understanding of performance marketing. So I think, 
you can see a role like an entry level performance marketing role and be really excited because it's Astrid and me. But what actually misconception is there is you potentially will have to be doing a lot of data analysis and that type of thing. So it's really important to research the role that you're applying for before applying and interviewing. And another question for you, Lucy, and just because you have joined most recently, the question is, how did you get into working at Astrid and and what were your first impressions? Yeah, so I was actually very lucky. So Lauren and I have worked together in the past. Um, and then Lauren referred me for this role. So I was super delighted when she reached out to me because I was actually looking for a new job. Um, and she'd always told me about how amazing it was to work at Astrid and Miu. So I thought, wow, this is a really good opportunity. So I obviously had to go through the normal interview process. I didn't skip any steps, but yeah, it, all my stars aligned and I'm just so happy that Lauren referred me that day because it's all worked out really well. Um, and then in terms of my first impressions, everyone's just so nice. I Like Lauren used to say to me, everyone that I work with is so lovely. And then I didn't, I obviously believed it, but I didn't believe it to the extent that she was telling me. And I started working here and I was like, wow, everyone actually is so lovely. And it really sped up like my induction process um, because I got to know people a lot better. I've worked in brands before where it's a bit more clicky and a bit more difficult to get to know people, but here yeah, that was no problem. Everyone's so nice. It's like we're all friends. It's brilliant. And the last question is for you, Catherine. What is the best way to get collaborations with Astrid and me? So I assume this one means influencer collaboration. So you know, we work with a real range of influencers from nano influencers, which are we kind of classify as um, under 2000 followers from micro influencers, kind of 5000 to 30,000. Um, so I think if you're looking, if you're kind of a nano influencer or micro influencer, and you're looking to pop possibly collaborate with new brands I'd definitely say reach out via Instagram we're always looking for new people to partner with you know whether that's on a gifting basis or whether that's on a paid basis and I definitely say reach out because we kind of have set KPIs to reach out to new girls and individuals should I say per month so it's always worth giving us a um, message and connecting with us because we really want to cultivate um, our influencer community from their small following. So I think if you if we gain that relationship with you from, you know, a smaller following and really we want to grow with you. And I think um, that's really valuable in terms of starting off our relationship, no matter how small your following may be. So yeah, always reach out via Instagram. Um, and then finally, moving on to some new year questions to wrap it up. Do any of you have new year's resolutions or goals or commitments that you'd like to share to our listeners? Oh, so I don't love the pressure of the word, the phrase New Year's resolutions, because it makes me feel like, oh, like I need to complete something. I need to completely overhaul my life and change myself. But I am trying to write a gratitude journal every morning and every night at the moment and just see positives in small things. I think, well, me personally, but I think with a lot of us still working from home, it's quite hard, especially during the winter. And, you know, especially if you've got a lot of work on and you can't get outside in the daylight um it's really hard to see positive 
um, positives in your day. So I'm just trying to be grateful for all of the really small things at the moment. Um, and I'm also trying to go to bed earlier <laughs> because the Christmas break has totally messed with my sleep and I can't stop myself from watching like yet another episode of the series I'm addicted to on Netflix when I'm on the sofa and then I end up going to bed at 1am. So it's a work in progress. So let's see where we go. <laughs> We're only two weeks in. <laughs> I love the fact you've got a gratitude journal, Lauren. That's so cute. It's such a good idea as well, because I feel like we forget about the daily positive things that are happening especially in January and especially when we're working from home and the weather's so miserable. So I might have to do that myself. It's quite a good one. It's like the smallest things like I got an extra half an hour in bed this morning or like managed to go out for a walk in the sun or I don't know. But it's just nice to be able to highlight those things, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I think for me, it's um, more about along the lines of what um, Lucy and Lauren said about just, I guess, appreciating the smaller things, getting outside more, I said I'm going to join the netball team, so I've done that. That's a tick off the New Year's resolutions. Also, just um, trying to go to more independence cafes and bars, and just yeah, expanding your horizons a bit because I feel like I don't like getting stuck in going to the same places or doing the same things. It's you know I feel like you um, don't don't want to get in your comfort zone too much, and I guess you could, that can be applied to anything. And then one last quick fire question: What is your top tip for working in marketing in 2022? Um, I think maybe going off what Lucy said earlier about networking and um, meeting people in other non-competitive brands. That's something I did last year as well. And I think that is definitely a top tip. It really helps to like bounce ideas off each other. What has worked for them might work for you. Um, so that would be a top tip. If you work in marketing, definitely network. If you don't work in marketing and you want to get into marketing also network I think LinkedIn is a really powerful tool that people don't use enough I think you can you know if um, a graduate or someone doing a degree or even someone in the first couple of years of their career connects with me I will always connect with them and respond if they have any questions so I think that's really key yeah and I also think uh, using other platforms such as Facebook, Instagram as well as LinkedIn to connect with individuals and I mean I saw one of my internships posted on Facebook so I think you never know when the next opportunity can arise and you know if if you're doing um internships with other interns connect with them their career paths may lead in a similar vein to you which you can share as well. I w- would also say you know deciphering what area of marketing you really kind of excel in I think obviously like what we spoke today there are obviously many different functions within the marketing department from brand paid CRM and I think the more you have a better understanding of what those functions entail the more you're kind of you'll be able to apply yourself better to those roles so you know even listening to other podcasts like um, Business of Fashion do a good one or Mariana Hewitt who is the co-founder of Summer Fridays who kind of have inspirational people on um being really insightful for me to kind of gain a kind of wider holistic sense of marketing as a whole and I guess just cement your your preference in whatever field that may be I think for me it would be just keep learning it's changed like marketing best practices and software are changing so quickly now and it's really important to keep up so follow people on LinkedIn that work in the industry, follow people on Instagram. I follow a few people that are 
uh, CRM consultants on Instagram. They're always putting top tips up. So just keep learning, really, and just keep trying to move with the pace because it's fast. Ladies, it's been so interesting talking to you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Great. So much for listening to the Astrid and Me you podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. To learn more about us, go to our website and you can follow at Astrid and Me on Instagram.